This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the number one daily fantasy sports app. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 608. Welcome in. Um, let's be very clear. If you're listening on iTunes, nothing is different for you. It should sound the same. Everything should be good. If you're watching on YouTube, I know things are a bit different. Uh, I'm experimenting. I'm trying to experiment with the way things look. My goal is to make the show more visually interesting. I'm not sure this is it. I really don't know. I'm, I'm kind of screwing around and kind of figuring out what works best for me. Uh, I will say this setup here is much easier for me. My computers are right here. Everything's in my face. My notes are digital this time, unlike the little paper I'm, you know, fluffing around everywhere the entire episode. Um, so this is easier for me. I really like it. I will say I woke up with a zit on my nose this morning, and that's pretty unfortunate. Like, the day I moved the camera closer to my face and put my ugly mug right in front of the camera, uh, your boy gets a zit on the nose. Now, uh, the thing is, Strong Opinion Sports, we don't have the budget for a makeup guy, and even if we did, that's a waste of money. I would never spend money on that, frankly. Uh, you get me as I am. Here we are. Um, I want to do something I've never done on the show before. I think it'll be fine. I really don't know. Uh, usually, I cut to a pre-recorded ad on the podcast. I'm going to try reading the ad read live. I want you to know, what I'm ultimately working toward is I want to live stream Strong Opinion Sports. That's my goal, um, to cut down on a lot of the the time sync it takes to upload, edit, record. I'd like to just live stream the show five days a week. That's kind of my ultimate goal and dream, and we're working towards that. That's part of what this setup is hopefully doing. Um if you hate how the show looks, I'm sorry. I think it's cool. You got the lights. You get me. I, I don't know. We'll see what people think of this. Either way, I got to give a shout out to our sponsor today. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize Picks allows you to make an entry based on player projections and in 60 seconds. You could enter something like George Kittle, less than five catches, AJ Brown, more than 100 yards receiving, and Jordan Love, more than two interceptions. And if your picks are right, you can win money. Making picks makes watching games more engaging, and you could turn something like $5 into $50. PrizePix offers quick and easy deposits. You can even use Apple Pay, and they have weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. For example, there's a weekly event called Taco Tuesday, where each Tuesday, PrizePix discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So put your skills to the test in daily fantasy. Go to prizepicks.com slash CLNS and use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash CLNS, code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks, daily fantasy made easy. Let's dive into the show. On Sunday night football, the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Miami Dolphins 31-17, to and I thought this game was really fun. Philly kind of pulled away at the end, and it's a great win for Philly. The Eagles are now 6-1, and good for them. And I, watching this game, I felt like I was watching two of the best games in football. And it does feel like, when you look at the NFC, Philly and the 49ers, for, Philly and the 49ers are destined to collide. They're heading towards each other, and I think they're going to play each other probably in the game to get into the Super Bowl, the NFC title game. Now, one thing worth noting that does concern me about Philly, 
Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts has now 11 touchdowns on the year, but 10 total turnovers. So he's thrown for nine touchdowns. He's run for two. But he also has eight interceptions and two fumbles on the year. I don't, I, I don't know. It, it hasn't seemed to matter so far this year. The Eagles are 6-1. and one. They're doing really well. But I do worry about the Jalen Hurts turnovers thing. Is there something there? It's worth mentioning. You're like, huh. You know, despite getting a massive contract, despite the fact that they're 6-1 and one and seem like the best, if not one of the two best teams in the NFC, there are a lot of turnovers going on for Jalen Hurts, and I wonder if that's going to catch up to them eventually and become a problem. I, uh, so far, no. They're 6-1. and one. But, like, is that the kind of detail that catches up with you maybe in said NFC title game? I don't know. But it's been, you know, seven games now, and this turnover thing isn't going away for Jalen Hurts, and I don't know what to make of that yet. It's very rare that I just, again, 11 touchdowns on the year, but 10 turnovers. That's really, really high for Jalen Hurts. He's got eight interceptions in seven games this year. So I don't know, man, do what you want with that information, but they're winning. So, so far, it has not seemed to matter. Now, I want to give a shout out to Eagles receiver, A.J. Brown. The dude had a monster day, 10 catches for 137 yards and a touchdown I don't know much more to add there. He had a great touchdown catch where he caught a ball, broke a tackle, ran for a touchdown. Um, just a little tip of the cap to A.J. Brown. What an incredible, really, really talented stud receiver. Now, Miami lost. They are now 5-2. and two. I thought Tua played well. He had an interception in the fourth quarter. You don't love that, but I don't walk away from this loss for Miami panicking. Uh, they were missing a lot of key players in this football game. You know, if you don't know, their corner, Xavier Howard, was injured. He didn't play. Running back, Devin Achan, didn't play. Three of their five starting offensive linemen were out. Their left tackle, Tron Armstead. Their left guard, Isaiah Wynn. And their center, Connor Williams. They all did not play. Um, also, eventually, Miami's going to get Jalen Ramsey back at corner. So you could theoretically and technically be right in saying that, you know, Miami was missing both of their starting corners against Philly and three of their starting offensive linemen. So... I thought all things considered, the fact that Miami made it a game, they tied it up in the second half, it was 17-17, I think the fact that this game was even close really says a lot about Miami. This is a really good football team. Philly is a juggernaut. Philly is a Super Bowl favorite. I think Miami still is too. They, they, you know, they lose, lost a game where they were shorthanded a little bit, but for them to be able to hang with Philly, not at full strength, I think says a lot about how good Miami is. And uh, when you look around the AFC... Kansas City's really good. Miami's really good. Buffalo keeps having moments where weird stuff happens. They lose. I think right now we're looking at a potential AFC title game being between Kansas City and Miami. And so if you're thinking, I'm going to look at this loss from Miami, they lose 31-17 on Sunday Night Football. I don't look at it and go, oh, no, huge warning flag. We get a better panic. I go, no, they were missing a lot of players. I played really well. Uh, Tyreek Hill dropped a touchdown pass. Like That's a rare thing that you don't normally see. Like, little things happen that I'm like, yeah, I think on a different day, Miami could have very easily won this football game and definitely could have won this football game with their full starting lineup out there. So I got no concerns about Miami, but I do really respect Philly. Again, though, that turnover thing for Jalen Hurts, what does that mean? Is that going to be a problem later in the year? That is something I want to find out down the road. Oh, also, I, I can't believe I forgot to say this. Shout out to the Eagles uniforms they wore in this football game. They wore... I guess what they call the Kelly Green uniforms, which is like their, I don't even know, the gray pants, the cool green uniform, the, the helmet. Like, I'll put a picture on screen. I 
absolutely love these uniforms. They're some of my favorite in football. Like, that's a great Madden jersey right there. Basically, anytime I use the Eagles playing Madden, you got to wear those uniforms. They're the best in football. And uh, I know, I guess, there probably aren't exactly these jerseys in Madden because these are new, but they're kind of a throwback to the old era. And uh, my goodness, man, uh, they are really, really fun to look at. Now, um, Kansas City beat the Chargers 31-17. to Kind of interesting. Sunday Night Football and the major game on Sunday both ended 31-17. to But KC beat the Chargers 31-17. to And uh, Patrick Mahomes did what he normally does. He was incredible. Patrick Mahomes was 32 for 42 passing, had 424 yards, four touchdowns, had an interception. Uh, Travis Kelsey, shout out to him. He had 12 catches for 179 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Taylor Swift was there. I feel like you have to, if you bring up Travis Kelsey, you got to mention Taylor Swift. I like seeing her. I've mentioned before, I became a fan of Taylor Swift through this entire thing with her intersecting with football. I did not like seeing her sit in the stands next to uh, Patrick Mahomes' wife. Brittany Mahomes, not a fan. I don't think I could sit next to her. I could, okay, I could sit next to her. That's being dramatic. I would not want to sit next to her. Like, that would be a very trying thing for me. It would test a lot of my patience and drive me nuts. And then Jackson Mahomes was there. I'm like, this is weird. I don't, I don't like this, this Mahomes family thing intersecting with Taylor Swift. I don't love that, but it is what it is. Now, the big story for Kansas City this year in general is their defense. I feel like somehow, because they're not, I don't, I don't really know why. I think people are very quickly starting to catch on to how good, hold on, I got something in my mouth. It's like a, it's a cat hair. Awesome. Cat hair in my mouth. You love that. Um, I think people are starting to realize how good the Chiefs defense is, but um, if you don't know, Kansas City has only allowed more than 20 points in a game this year one time. One time. And that one time was week one when they lost to Detroit 21-20. to So Kansas City's not given up a lot of points. Their defense is playing really, really well. And I walked away from this game. KC's 6-1. They just beat the Chargers. They are easily a Super Bowl favorite. I think the four teams right now that I feel like are most likely to be in the Super Bowl are the 49ers and Philly in the NFC and Miami and Kansas City in the AFC. Everyone else has a shot, sure. Uh, like I think of like Baltimore is really good right now. They're, I believe, 5-2. and two. There are a lot of teams out there that are at like the second tier below them that are really good and maybe are in the mix. But uh, like Dallas probably is one of those teams that's like a second tier team in the mix trying to be... If things go well for them and they get hot at the end, maybe they're a Super Bowl contender. But right now, the Super Bowl feels like it will come down to the 49ers, Philly, Miami, and Kansas City. And Kansas City, they got to be considered because of their defense, man. They are incredible. Like Detroit's another team, right? That's probably that second-tier team right below the four Super Bowl favorites. Now, the LA Chargers are 2-4. and four. And, uh, man, I, I am so, so disappointed in what's going on in LA. Justin Herbert had two interceptions in this football game. Uh, one was kind of painful. It was the start of the th- it was the start of the third quarter. There it's third and goal, eight yard line. Justin Herbert has the ball tipped at the line. Ball goes straight up in the air, gets picked off. That's just kind of a bad break. Although one thing I will say about Justin Herbert is every throw is a missile right on a line. He doesn't do uh, he's not great at taking a little bit off and maybe throwing the ball with some touch. And I, I do wonder I don't want to say that interception is directly his fault, but I wonder if that's a thing they scouted because there were a lot of tip passes for Kansas City's defense. And I wonder if they're like, look, every throw was coming off at a low angle bullet pass from Justin Herbert. And I wonder if Kansas City's defense was like, 
we should get our hands up. We can tip a lot of these passes at the line. Um, so Justin Herbert had two interceptions. One was a bad throw and a bad decision. One was just kind of bad luck on the goal line. Either way, like having an interception on third and eight on the eight-yard line, that's a really tough missed opportunity. And so given that the Chargers are now two and four, and given the fact that Hold on, I'm getting a phone call. Um. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm recording. Can I talk to you later? <laughs> yeah. I got a phone call. I kind of, I don't know. I got thrown out there. Where was I? Um, the Chargers are now two and four. And watching this game, I was waiting and waiting and waiting for LA to come alive and the Chargers to kind of make a comeback and make this game really interesting and, and hard fought. And, you know, it was 17 to 24 at halftime. The Chargers did not score again in the second half. They were on the goal line in the third quarter. Herbert had the ball tipped, got picked off. But Justin Herbert had two interceptions in the second half. And, you know, again, I'm just waiting for Justin Herbert to put it all together. He's got this elite physical skill set. He can run. He's got a huge arm. But the Chargers had the ball five times in the second half of this football game. They had two interceptions and three three and outs. Like, that's not good enough, man. Not against Kansas City. I know they got a really good defense. But Justin Herbert is supposed to be a top five quarterback in the NFL. And I, I walk away every time I watch Justin Herbert recently waiting and waiting and wondering, when is it going to be that he grabs my attention and does the thing that you're like, other than like highlight, highlights are great, but I mean win football games, play great in the second half of a game, have a big comeback. I just recently watching Justin Herbert, I feel like he's really good physically, but he's underachieving. And given the LA Chargers are once again as a team underachieving, they're two and four. I, I'm just really ready to move on from Brandon Staley. Like, this is not all on Justin Herbert. I really want to make that very, very clear. Uh, like, for example, once again, the Chargers defense, coached by their head coach, Brandon Staley, got absolutely torched again. This is not the first time. I'm getting really tired of saying the same thing. If you're going to be a defensive head coach, you have to have a really good defense. Otherwise, what are you bringing to the table? I still do not know what Brandon Staley brings to the table that I'm supposed to be impressed with or excited by in LA. And given they're two and four, at some point changes have to be made. Every single year in LA with the Chargers, they've been underachieving. And I'm not going to get rid of Justin Herbert. Like when you got a guy as talented as him playing quarterback and you're not winning, something is going wrong when it comes to your coaching staff. And I think you got to make a coaching change for the Chargers. That's the number one takeaway after this football game. The Chargers have to move on from their head coach, Brandon Staley, so they can stop living in mediocrity, man. It's killing me. I really think there's potential with this football team. they got great players everywhere. Herbert, you know, for all the—I say stuff like he's underachieving, he's, he's really talented but not putting it all together. I think that's because of their coaching staff, man. I think there's a reason why Justin Herbert isn't reaching the potential that he so clearly has and— you know, the number one takeaways from this football game, again, are the Chiefs defense is really good and Justin Herbert uh, is 
not winning, not doing well enough. And therefore, the answer to solve that problem to me is Brandon Staley needs to go. He should be fired as a Chargers head coach. They cannot start the year two and four. That's awful. And uh, I just really wonder when it's going to happen. I, I, the Chargers are historically a, a franchise that is very conservative. They don't make changes. They are very happy living in mediocrity, it would seem. And uh, it's killing me, man. I'm really, really wanting to see Justin Herbert win and play really well. And he should not have a losing record in the NFL. That's absurd to me. Like, he's too good of a quarterback. He's got too much talent to be 2-4 and four to start the year and uh, unable to compete with a team like Kansas City. By the way, the famous Chargers fan was at the game. That woman, I think her name's Marianne, that viral Chargers game from last week on Monday Night Football. Uh, she was wearing a Buffalo Wild Wings hat. And uh, clearly she got paid to wear the hat. It makes you wonder, was she paid to go to the game? Most likely, probably Buffalo Wild Wings said, hey, we'll fly you to the game. We'll buy you a seat. You got to wear a hat, but you get a free trip. She probably did it. That's really cool. Um, there's all this. It's interesting. There's all this conversation. Is Marianne a real fan or a paid actress? I, I don't know it. it. This doesn't prove anything, really. Uh, it just proves that Buffalo Wild Wings marketing team is really smart. They jumped on an opportunity to get exposure and good for them. Uh, I think it's kind of a low-key smart move. However, this whole Marianne Charger superfan thing, I, I'm I'm really in turmoil. It feels kind of slimy and weird, but I, I can't pinpoint that like it's a bad thing and horrible and stuff like that. I just I'm like, ah, like I don't know what to make of it. Now, the Cleveland Browns and the Colts played in a really, really weird game. Uh Cleveland beat Indy. The Colts lost, so the Browns won 39 to 38. But it was wild and chaotic, and Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson barely played. He was one for five passing for five yards and an interception. Uh, He left the game hurt, I guess. He threw an interception that uh, was ruled an incomplete pass, but he got hit as he threw, and his head hit the turf. And um, I I watched the game, and it was very unclear. Like, I was watching, like, why why isn't Deshaun Watson playing in this football game? He cleared concussion protocol. Um, But he is expected to be their starting quarterback next week. So it was a weird situation. I don't know what to make of that. But, I mean, watching the game, I I love Gardner Minshew. I'm going to watch this Browns-Colts game. I I was blessed with the fact that it was close and fun and interesting. Uh, But watching the game, I was like, did they bench this guy? Did did Deshaun Watson just get benched by the Cleveland Browns? That that can't be, right? I mean, it's got to be the injury. Um, And they're saying they kept him out to protect him, which... I guess it's true. Like, Deshaun Watson has paid too much money to get benched, I would think. But either way, once again, for the second week in a row, the Cleveland Browns won without their starting quarterback. And uh, P.J. Walker came in, their backup. He did enough to win, I guess. And the real story from this game, in my opinion, the Browns won. Good for them. They continue to show they are one of the best rosters in football. They can win with a backup quarterback. Two weeks in a row, the Browns have won really tough games with P.J. Walker at quarterback. Like, I don't know what more you can say about the Browns football team. They may not be, um, how do I say this? Their quarterback is suspect for sure for many reasons. Uh, but their team in general is really, really talented. And they're one of the best rosters in football. Now, the story, though, is Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew here was wild and messy, fun to watch, horrifying to watch. Every emotion you can feel watching a quarterback is how I felt watching Colts quarterback Gardner Minshew. On one hand, 
he really challenged the Browns defense like no other quarterback has done this year. And the Browns defense is the very best in the NFL. So that's cool. Like, wow. He had more success against the Browns defense than any quarterback has had all year. He scored 38 points, you know, put up 38 points with his offense, five touchdown drives, a field goal. Gardner Minshew himself had four touchdowns. He was 15 for 23 passing for 305 yards, two touchdown passes, two touchdown runs. Like, it was a really fun game where Gardner Minshew had four touchdowns. I was like, yes! I love it. I love Gardner. I love watching him win. However, however, the problem is while he had four touchdowns, he also had four turnovers, (laughs) which you can't do. Uh, An interception. Three fumbles. One fumble was picked up and taken directly for a touchdown by the Browns' defense. Uh, another touch, another fumble set up a Browns' touchdown from their offense. Uh, his interception set up a Browns' field goal. Like as productive as Gardner Minshew was, and he he did have more success against this Browns' defense than any quarterback all year. On the plus side of things, he also had a really bad turnover-prone game. That's frustrating and kind of horrifying to watch. Um, I don't know. Gardner Minshew repeatedly shot himself in the foot, and this was a winnable game for the Colts. You have to, I love Gardner. I have to acknowledge his faults. There are too many turnovers that cannot happen, but I'm telling you, like if you have if you have NFL Plus or a way to watch games after the fact, and you want to go watch a really fun football game, I am telling you, this game Browns Colts was wild and fun and an emotional roller coaster. And uh, if you got to watch it live, like I did, I, I, it was such a it was just fun, man. I really liked it. Gardner had a fumble at the end. It didn't really matter. The game was basically over. They didn't have a shot. They're on like their own 25-yard line. Um, but I got to just say, I love watching Gardner Minshew play football. It's so much fun. The dude is an underdog. He came up short here. He didn't win, but it was wildly, wildly entertaining to watch Gardner Minshew do what Gardner does. And, uh, you know, he's not really an NFL starter. He's kind of that fringe guy, either like the worst starter in the NFL or the best backup, something like that. But with Anthony Richardson being out this year for the rest of the year, he's going to get a cool opportunity to play all year and be a starting quarterback and kind of live out that dream. And that, for me, makes me really happy. And the better he does and the more touchdowns he throws and the better numbers he puts up, the longer his career is going to last. So I'd love to see Gardner Minshew. Just because I like him as a person, he's so easy to root for. I want to see him play for like 15 years, even if he's a backup quarterback for 15 years. Make a lot of money, walk away, successful. You can buy a house, you're set for life. Like that kind of life for a guy like Gardner Minshew would be really cool to see, and uh, I'm just, I'm rooting for Gardner, man. He's so awesome. I got to meet him at Washington State when he was there, and uh, I just, I love the guy. I want to see him do well. Now, uh, here's another person that's easy to root for. There's a cool story today from the NFL. Bears quarterback Tyson Bagent made his first ever NFL start, and he won. The Bears beat the Raiders 30-12. to and Tyson Bagent, an undrafted rookie quarterback out of Division II Shepard, right? Did not even play Division I football last year. In December, he was still playing. He was great in the preseason. He won the start, the backup job in uh, Chicago. And with Justin Fields, the Bears starting quarterback, injured for this game, in came Tyson Bagent. And he was 21 for 29 passing at 162 yards, a touchdown pass. Zero turnovers. It's the kind of performance that makes me want to turn on the film and break it down. Like, that's going to be really fun to do, I think, later this this week. Um, just really cool. To watch a rookie quarterback who was undrafted beat the Raiders in his first ever game is uh, it's just awesome to see. And I, I'm really, really excited for him. I'm rooting for him. What an awesome story. And uh, from the Raiders' perspective, 
it's got to be pretty horrifying. Uh, the Raiders are now three and four. Jimmy Garoppolo, their starting quarterback, did not play. He's hurt. And so they started with quarterback Brian Hoyer, who threw two interceptions. One of them was a pick six. Then on the final two drives, the Raiders put in their rookie quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. He threw an interception, but he also had a touchdown drive. He was, you know, one for two with a touchdown drive. The other one was an interception. I don't know, man. I walked away wondering, like, why didn't the Raiders just play Aiden O'Connell the entire game? Aiden O'Connell, the rookie quarterback out of Purdue, really good in the preseason. He even started a game earlier this year, week four. I don't know why they went back to Brian Hoyer. It's it's will never make sense to me. He was... Uh, not, I guess, terrible, but not great. And I just don't know why you don't play your rookie quarterback. See what he can do. And the Raiders are going nowhere. So starting Brian Hoyer didn't really benefit them in any way. I just do not understand that move. And uh, it's got to be called out. It's very weird. I do not understand. Please, Raiders fans, write in. Tell me, do you agree it didn't make sense to play Brian Hoyer? Like, Jimmy Garoppolo is injured and mediocre and not your future. Don't you want to figure out what your young quarterback Aiden O'Connell can do? You're not going to win games this year. The Raiders are three and four. They lost this game to Chicago to a rookie quarterback. I mean, they're, they're God awful. If not like at best, the Raiders are mediocre. So I don't know why you wouldn't play your rookie quarterback, but Aiden O'Connell was not bad. 10 for 13 passing. Um, by the way, I've got a funny screenshot from this game. It was posted by CBS sports on Instagram. The Raiders have lost in some interesting debuts, they point out. So not only did the Raiders lose to rookie Division II quarterback Tyson Bajant, uh, who was an undrafted you know, rookie this year, uh, last year they also lost in, remember that game where Baker Mayfield got traded to the Rams and started like two days later and played for the Rams? Baker Mayfield last year beat the Raiders off like two days of practice with the Rams team, and then... Also last year, the Raiders lost to Colts head coach Jeff Saturday, who the week before had been broadcasting for ESPN, who came in and beat the Raiders. It's just weird that the Raiders are so inept as an organization. They're losing to Baker Mayfield, the quarterback with no practice on a new team. Jeff Saturday, a coach who a couple days prior had worked for ESPN, and now a rookie quarterback, Tyson Bajant. Great for Tyson Bajant. Horrible news for the Raiders, man. That is a shameful way to lose a football game. Uh, now, one more thing about the NFL this week. Uh, the Ravens destroyed Detroit 38-6. to I don't know what to make of that yet. I haven't watched that game, but I wanted to acknowledge it and tell you I'm planning to watch that game first thing tomorrow morning. I am very, very curious to see what happened. I really do not understand how Baltimore blew, blew Detroit out that badly. I thought that was going to be a fun, competitive football game, and instead... Detroit got blown out. As soon as I saw that final score, I was like, it's not even worth going back to watch today. There's so much going on on a Sunday. Uh, But tomorrow, I'm going to go back and put that game on and see what happened. Like, how did Detroit get their butts kicked so badly against Baltimore? Now, let's shift gears to college football. There's a couple things I want to talk about from college football this weekend. Number one is this. Ohio State beat Penn State 20-12. to I was highly, highly disappointed by this football game. Uh, neither quarterback was great. Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord was 22 for 35 passing. He had 286 yards and a touchdown. He was, like, okay. He got better in the second half. I thought he hit a couple open receivers, and really he hit Marvin Harrison Jr. wide open for a couple good throws. And, um, you know, he had that late touchdown, again, to Marvin Harrison Jr. But early on in this football game, Kyle McCord looked really bad and was missing receivers inaccurately and... um, I was not impressed with him against Notre Dame either, so I'm just walking away with this feeling that Ohio State's quarterback is kind of average and just not that great. 
Now, the real star for Ohio State was their receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr. What do they call him? Oh, I don't remember. Uh, what's the nickname Gus Johnson has for him? Something Marv, like Maserati Marv. It's such a fun nickname. He had 11 catches for 162 yards and a touchdown. He caught a shallow crosser, turned up field, and ran for a touchdown. Um, so Marvin, Harris Jun- Marvin Harrison Jr., Maserati Marv, was awesome in this football game. Now, I want to give a shout-out to Penn State's defense because they were outstanding. The defense here for Penn State, the Nittany Lions, was outstanding. They kept this game close. Now, the final score is kind of misleading, by the way. 20-12 to 12 doesn't really accurately represent this game because Penn State got a touchdown with 29 seconds left to make the final score closer. The reality is that Penn State's defense did a lot of heavy lifting, and they got no support from their offense. Penn State's defense had multiple big stops. Like in the second half— the Buckeyes led 10-6, to and the Penn State defense kept it close. They kept keeping the game a one-score game with stops, and they stopped Ohio State on fourth and goal on the two-yard line. Then later, when the Buckeyes were in the red zone, they held them to a field goal to keep it a one-score game, 13-6. Uh, to So, unfortunately, the Penn State offense was really, really underwhelming. They just could not score enough points to compete. And the number one takeaway watching Penn State and Ohio State Neither quarterback was very impressive, but Penn State quarterback Drew Aller was just such a disappointment for me. He was 18 for 42 passing, had 191 yards, had that one touchdown, but it was with 29 seconds left in garbage time. That feels a bit, I don't know, cheap's not the right word there, but for example, like Penn State's offense was one for 16 on third down. That third down conversion, the only third down conversion on the night for Penn State did not happen until there were 45 seconds left in the game. What do you do with that information? That's so bad. They were so, so bad on third down. And I don't mean to not give credit to Ohio State's defense. Ohio State's defense did some really good stuff here. But to me, the story really is that Penn State just played really bad on offense. Like they're, And it wasn't just playing bad. It was bad play calling. It was bad design. It was frustrating to watch. The play calling was super, super conservative. Uh, They made it very clear they did not trust their quarterback, Drew Aller, at all the throw in key moments. For example, there was a third and five on the 23-yard line, and they tried to run the ball. They lost a yard, they kicked a field goal, and it was like, hey, you, why are you not trusting your quarterback in a big moment? And there was one play that, it just killed me. Like, it was bad football. That's the reality. I hate bad football. And Penn State was, it was third and two, and Ohio State's defense called cover zero. They put everyone on defense around the line of scrimmage. They were all in on stopping the run. It was very clear, third and two for Penn State. They don't trust their quarterback to throw the football. Ohio State said, we're going to play man-to-man coverage on the outside. Zero safety help. You got one-on-one coverage for your receivers, and we know you're not going to throw the football. They sold out on stopping the run, and what did Penn State do? They ran right into it. They got stuffed. They didn't get the first down. And that's an example of, to me, bad coaching. You see what the defense is doing and you're playing right into their hand, you can't tell, you tell me, you can't beat man-to-man coverage on the outside. Like, I, I guess you can't. And, and watching the game, um, I, look, the, the, the conservative play calling was killing me. It was really frustrating. The amount of times that there was man-to-man coverage on the outside and Penn State refused to call a play to try to beat that. But the reason is that Drew Aller, Penn State's quarterback, simply could not throw the ball downfield. Like, the few times he did, he was awful. And there was this terrible throw, third and eight, where Drew Aller tried to throw a ball down the right sideline. It was nowhere near the receiver. I guess technically it was near, but it was a terrible ball location. It was barely a spiral. You're like, oh, 
This guy just can't throw the ball downfield. That's concerning and a problem, but okay, I guess that's the reality here. And to me, I was just really, really disappointed with Penn State quarterback Drew Adler. The coaches didn't trust him. He couldn't deliver. He had terrible timing. He was inaccurate. He never gave the coaching staff at Penn State a reason to trust him on third down. And then on top of that, Penn State felt like they didn't have receivers they believed could win a one-on-one matchup outside. So what we learned from Saturday watching Penn State was the limitations of their offense. And I hated it. It was bad offensive football. And that kind of stuff drives me nuts. When you see what the defense is doing, it's so obvious they're begging you to throw the football and you're still not willing to do it, even though running the football wasn't working for you. That, it, I, I, hate, I hate watching bad offensive football that's what we saw watching Penn State and Ohio State. And uh, man, uh, Drew Aller, this quarterback at Penn State, he's six foot five, 243 pounds. He's got all the physical measurables you look at. When coaches recruit young quarterbacks, they go, usually, like, they look at a guy like me who's five foot 10, five foot 11, and go, I want, I give me my one inch, come on. And they go, you're too small and weak, and we're, we're moving on. They look at the guy who's six foot five and go, oh, he's got potential. He's got a big arm. He can throw. Well, He's got all the physical tools you look for in a quarterback. Why isn't Drew Aller able to throw the ball and complete a pass more than 15 yards downfield? It's absurd to me. I don't know what we're watching. It's it's weird. We so we fall so in love with size without looking at, hey, do they have the skill set to actually succeed? And uh, I know Drew Aller's only a sophomore. I don't want to attack him too much, but I had... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I don't know if unrealistic expectations. I was just hoping he would be good. I was hoping there would be something exciting here. And the reality is Drew Aller was just not not good on uh, Saturday against Ohio State. And uh, the Penn State offense in general was really ineffective. And it was sad because their defense, I thought, played well enough to win. But they didn't get any run support from their offense. And uh, uh, bad offensive football, man. It was frustrating to watch on Saturday. Florida State beat Duke 38-20. to and uh, this game was heartbreaking. It was really close for a long time. Duke, in fact, actually led at halftime 20-17. to 17, And then they still were leading when their quarterback, Riley Leonard, got hurt at the end of the third quarter. And then after Riley Leonard, the Duke quarterback, walked away, was out of the game. Uh, Florida State scored 21 unanswered points. They won 38-20. to 20. But it just makes me wonder what could have happened if Riley Leonard, the Duke quarterback had been in the game and stayed healthy. You know, he had an ankle injury, but, and he was, he was begging the coaches on the sideline to let him back in the game. Kind of, he's like hobbling around working with a trainer and his coach was very kind of said, I'm not putting you out there, kind of trying to protect him. And I don't know, it was a tough break all around. Uh, Henry Bellin, the backup quarterback came in for Duke. He was one for six passing for seven yards. Like he did nothing. And, you know, when Riley Leonard got hurt, by the way, Duke was in the red zone and, they got stopped on fourth and goal where they had a receiver open in the end zone and the quarterback threw a bad ball and it wasn't a touchdown. That kind of stuff is killer. So I wasn't rooting for Duke to win. I just root for always chaotic, fun endings that come down to the very end of a game. And I'm not bothered that Florida State won, but I felt like as a football fan, we missed out on potential for a really cool ending 
to a game where like if Riley Leonard stays in that game, maybe it's even closer in that fourth quarter and uh, really interesting. But either way, uh, Florida State won. Florida State is now 7-0. and And I'm just sad that we didn't get like a thrilling, exciting ending where Riley Leonard was healthy and allowed for a competitive, interesting game at the end of the fourth quarter between Duke and Florida State. Uh, North Carolina lost to unranked Virginia at home. North Carolina was a number 10 team in the country. Virginia was 1-5 going into this game. So North Carolina is no longer undefeated. And if they had won, you would have North Carolina and Florida State both as two 7-0 teams in the ACC. Instead, the only undefeated team left in the ACC is 7-0 Florida State. By the way, here are the remaining undefeated teams that are I think, I don't know if Air Force is still undefeated. I think there are other teams that are 7-0, but these are the ones that are relevant and matter at the top of the standings in college football. Georgia is 7-0. Michigan is 8-0. Florida State uh, is 7-0. Ohio State is 7-0. Washington is 7-0. And Oklahoma is 7-0. It's worth noting, by the way, number six ranked Oklahoma barely survived this weekend. They beat Central Florida 31-29. And uh, Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel actually transferred into Oklahoma from University of Central Florida. He beat his old team, but it was a very, very close game. Uh, Central Florida got a touchdown with a minute 16 left to go in the fourth quarter. They made it a two-point game, but they were unable to get the two-point conversion. So Oklahoma survived Central Florida. They narrowly lost. But man, um, yeah, those are the undefeated teams left in college football. By the way, USC lost to Utah. USC lost again to Utah. USC lost to Utah 34 to 32. And the big narrative all week surrounding USC was how would USC quarterback Caleb Williams bounce back after a rough game against Notre Dame the week prior? Caleb Williams was, I think, I would say the word is solid in this football game. He was fine. Not his best game. He was 24 for 34 passing, had... 256 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He did run for a touchdown. But who do you blame for USC losing? That's kind of the fun question here. USC was down 31-23 to with eight minutes left to go in the game. And Caleb Williams put together a 68-yard drive, got inside the 10-yard line, got held to a field goal. Then USC had this crazy punt return by Zachariah Branch, their young freshman, with less than two minutes left. That set up USC on the 11-yard line. Caleb Williams ran for that touchdown I talked about. So USC had a lead, 32-31, to 31, with a minute 46 left to go. And then to me, we've talked about this before, the USC defense is a huge problem at USC. By the way, they made Bryson Barnes, the Utah quarterback, look like a star. He had four touchdowns in this game, and at the end of the game, with less than two minutes to go, with a lead, USC's defense could not get a stop. So... Yes, Caleb Williams did not have his best day at USC once again. He kind of struggled, and I don't know if struggle is the right word. No turnovers, but like not a- an amazing statistical performance for Caleb Williams like we're so used to seeing from him, the former Heisman Trophy winner. I think the best quarterback in college football. But USC had the lead with less than two minutes to go, and their defense could not get a stop. They gave up a 54-yard drive uh, to Utah. Utah kicked the game-winning field goal as time expired Uh, To me, like, the lesson here and the narrative really that needs to be talked about is that I think USC is always going to underachieve unless they play good defense. And, you know, they're heading into the Big Ten. Man, I think 
USC and Lincoln Riley have a limited ceiling if they never play good defense. That feels very obvious to say. They're always going to score a lot of points and be fun to watch, but you're never going to see USC win a national title or make a lot of noise against the big boys in the Big Ten, you know, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. They all play good defense, and USC simply doesn't. They, they don't seem to value playing defense at USC. And, you know, I think that Lincoln Riley was hired at USC to become a national powerhouse. Like, they wanted Lincoln Riley to make USC akin to what Pete Carroll made USC and, you know, competing for national titles and nationally relevant. It's very early in the Lincoln Riley era of USC football, but, you know, Lincoln Riley's 0-3 in the college football playoff all-time. It's always been the defense. That's good. The consistent regular theme with Lincoln Riley coach football teams is the defenses are awful. And I don't know why Lincoln Riley doesn't seem to value that. Um, I have concerns that, like, I, I don't know exactly what the ceiling is for USC and Lincoln Riley, but I have concerns that Lincoln Riley's never going to be what they want him to be. They want him to be Pete Carroll, compete for national titles. And uh, as long as the defense doesn't play at a high level and can't get a stop when they need to, USC is never going to be a national powerhouse that wins a Big Ten championship and maybe wins a college football playoff game. They got to figure this out. The defense is a huge problem. And by the way, Caleb Williams is leaving. I know Lincoln Riley is great with quarterbacks and he always seems to have a guy competing for the Heisman Trophy, but there's not a lot of Caleb Williams just growing on trees and they can't even win, win with Caleb Williams. They keep Their limitations are showing the defense is a problem at USC and uh, it's got to get fixed or else they're never going to reach their goals as a program. By the way, uh, Michigan just beat the living daylights out of their rival, Michigan State. Michigan beat Michigan State 49 to nothing on Saturday. And I know there's a scandal right now in college football. Uh, Michigan has been accused of sign stealing, and I guess that's cheating, and there's an investigation ongoing into Michigan football, but I'm not sure what to make of that. I, I don't know what to make of the whole scandal. Uh, what I do know is that Michigan football is really, really good. And I cannot wait to watch them play Ohio State later in the year. And Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy, sign-stealing or not, the dude is playing at a really high level. He was 21 for 27 passing on Saturday, 287 yards, four touchdowns, zero turnovers. A goose egg in the turnover category. That's awesome. And, uh, man, I just thought that all around, like the big stories in football this weekend were Penn State can't play offense. Uh, Kansas City is a Super Bowl contender. The top four teams that are competing for Super Bowl, in my opinion, right now are the 49ers, Philly, Miami, and Kansas City. Brandon Staley's got to get fired by the Chargers. Uh, I don't know what's happening with Deshaun Watson. He's had like this miserable, awful year in Cleveland. They're winning without him, which says a lot of great things about the Browns. And frankly, if the Browns can ever get high-level quarterback play out of Deshaun Watson— they're like a Super Bowl caliber football team. Like their roster is so good. And even in spite of losing the right tackle, Jack Conklin, even losing even losing uh, Nick Chubb, their quarterback's been pretty mid to awful, frankly, with Deshaun Watson. The Browns are still a really good football team. And uh, I don't know, man. USC's defense is a problem. And then Gardner Mitch is fun to watch. One more time, I want to repeat this, though. When Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play, Why? Why, why does, <laughs> why does Kyle, what is his name? I can't even, um, Kyle, no, Josh, Josh, Kyle. Why is Josh McDaniels refusing to, refusing to go with Aiden O'Connell? It made no sense today. Why on Sunday against Chicago, 
they didn't start Aiden O'Connell instead of uh, Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer doesn't help your football team at all. He's average. He, you're not building towards anything. There's no future there. At least Aiden O'Connell's a young player who's playing fairly well when he does play and looks like he's worth investing in long term. I do not understand why Josh McDaniels did not play Aiden O'Connell from the beginning on Sunday against Chicago. And uh, I don't know. Write in. Tell me how you feel. How'd football go for you this weekend? Uh, my football team in fantasy, I want to tell you right now. Let me look at the the sleeper app. I am down less than a point going into Monday Night Football. My my opponent's team has played every single player on, on their, their lineup. I have George Kittle to go. So I am losing 90.6 to 91.06. I'm losing by less than a point. All I need from George Kittle tomorrow is like catch one pass. Catch one pass for one yard and Zach wins fantasy football this week. That's all I got to do. And uh, I am... Uh, I'm, I'm terrified. I, I really don't know that he's going to do it. I, I am so afraid that uh, I've had George Kittle burn me bad in the past. And so all he's got to do is catch a pass tomorrow on Monday Night Football and your boy Zach wins fantasy football this week. I'm not sure that's going to happen. But uh, maybe maybe he just, look, two catches for six yards, I would feel really comfortable. I'd be like, okay, got some breathing room. All you need, though, George Kittle, please catch one pass for one yard. And we're good. Guys, that's all I have today. I love you. I appreciate you. Um, I guess let me know. You will. People will comment on this and tell me if they like or hate um, the way that the show looks this way. I prefer this, actually. I like being closer to you. I like having uh, – it's darker, actually, so it's not as hot in here. I've got one little light right in front of me. I've got my monitors right here. Um, boogie board in the background. I don't know. It's fun. I like I like recording this way. Let me know if you do, if you think it's okay. Um, but ultimately what I'm working towards is I want to stream as early as this week. I'd like to stream an episode of Strong Opinion Sports. That would be really cool. I'm going to test that tomorrow on Monday. So if you see like a random stream pop up on Monday, uh, come check it out and say hi. I'll be like very awkward. Like I'm testing stuff, trying to figure out how stuff works, but I'll talk through it with you and we can have fun together. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum. Bam, we are...